Well, good morning, good morning. I'm going to get into this message because, you know, I think there's something for us to, and I think there's people here that needs to hear this. In fact, I, I know it without a shadow of a doubt because this did not fully hit me until just the other day or, or yesterday of the why. Um, I actually had somebody call me up. By the way, are we on in the back? Okay, good. So I had somebody call me up and, and talk to me about divorce because they were wanting to maybe think about getting remarried and they had not been they had not been, um, you know, they've been single for quite some time, probably 15 plus years. And they were talking to me about this. And so I, I'm, you know, I was in the middle of something and I was giving them what my, my thoughts were and what the word says. And so, you know, I went over to Matthew chapter 19. And as I was going through Matthew chapter 19, as I always do, I try to find the context of everything. I'm trying to find the context of why he said what he said. Why, you know, why did Jesus or Paul or Peter or John or whoever it is, why did they say what they were saying? What was, where were they at? Who were they talking to? Because it means a lot of different things. And so this is not about divorce, by the way. So I will tell you that straight up because I, it was something that hit me out of Matthew chapter 19, verse 1, that started, the, the Holy Spirit just started bringing things to my, to my remembrance of past teachings and past things that I've heard. And so, by the way, if, if somebody's been in a divorce, and you can actually go through Matthew chapter 19, he talks about how if somebody, because the Pharisees came up and said, what about divorce? You know, well, in the law, it says that, especially the law of Moses, that you couldn't get a divorce. But Moses actually had to go write a decree of divorce. By the way, do you know that God's divorced? Oh, man, this is, I could actually just teach on that alone, and it would be pretty, pretty amazing. But in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 8, it, if you want to go back and look at it, God divorces Israel. Just go back and look at it. Because the thing is, is that does that make God an adulterer? Does that make him uh, a fornicator? The answer is no. But it was in chapter, I think, 19, verse 10 or 11. It says the, the disciples pull him away from the Pharisees and goes, well, didn't, does anybody need to be married? I mean, if, if all this is true, does anybody need to be married? And he, Jesus goes and talks about some people cannot accept these sayings, which means that they've got to be married. They've got to have somebody. And then he goes on to talk about some people are made eunuchs from birth, and some people are made eunuchs because of their, their decisions, right? I didn't want to leave you with, with the divorce piece of it without giving you some background because I knew that that was going to end up being a, a, you know, a sticking point. People go, what do you think about divorce? Well, I think that if you're putting somebody away because of the way the Pharisees wanted to do it, which, by the way, it'd be like Heather if this afternoon she cooked me a dinner and I said, I don't like that. I'm getting a divorce. That's the way they did it. I, 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 want, a, I want a newer model. 
So basically that's what they, they were going and doing. And Jesus was trying to reinforce the law that two people were becoming one flesh. But then if you did get a divorce, Jesus was trying to say, look, some people can handle not being, not being married. Some people can't. And some people can accept these sayings and some people can't. Do you know that that means that if you feel like you need to get married, be led by the Holy Spirit. And by the way, the next time around, go find one that is equally yoked with you, that you can go with. So divorce, don't do it if you don't have to, okay? But if you do, you know what? Let the Holy Spirit be your guide and be your lead, okay? So you can accept those sayings. But where I was going with this was that I was looking up the context of that. Where was he at? What was happening? Where was he going? And so I'm bringing up from that perspective, the Lord put out one thing to me that took me down a path. So we're going to talk about our place called there. Healing and provision. Matthew chapter 19, verse 1 and 2. And it says, Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea. This is like 70 miles Jesus traveled from Galilee to Judea. Okay? I want you to understand this. This wasn't like a car trip that within an hour Jesus was there. We're talking about days. We're talking about Jesus did not get on a donkey. He didn't get on a Greyhound bus. He did not get in his car and drive between Galilee and Judea. Didn't happen. He got on his feet and he started walking. And it says beyond the Jordan. So he had to go all the way from the area of Galilee where the Jordan was all the way down in, into the region of Judea. Verse 2 says, And a great multitude followed him. And he healed them there. Now, I'm going to tell you what. I've read this. I've read, the, I've read Matthew, the, the book of Matthew, more times than you can ever shake a stick at. Okay? I read it, and I read it, and I read it. And this hit me like a ton of bricks. Okay? 70 miles, these people followed him. And then, there, he healed them. Wow, if that doesn't make you start thinking, then I don't know what will make you start thinking because he was with them in Galilee and he said, bye guys, I'm gone. And they said, nope, we're going with you. It's like Heather, if me and her were, if Heather was going to leave me, I'd go with her. That's just the way it would happen because that's what I want from her. I want to I chase her down. Well, guess what happened? They didn't get healed in Galilee. They got healed in Judea. So is Judea a better place? Is, is that where the, the, the power of the Holy Ghost is, is in Judea? No. You know, this got me thinking. This, this actually harkened back to a bunch of different things. And, and I, I started to remember some teachings that I got years ago when I was in Bible school. And also uh, Pastor Kenneth Hagin had taught on some of this stuff. And I just, the Lord started putting in my heart that we need to understand why sometimes there is a, it's important. Why here is not as important as there. 
I know that made no sense, but in a minute, I'm hoping it is going to make sense. So I wanted to give you a little bit of background. Jesus in chapter 18 is in Galilee. He's teaching them and he taught them, you know, who's the greatest? They were asking, well, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And he was talking about the least, right? And then he goes through and he warns people of offenses. Don't be offended at your brother. Don't be offended by the gospel. Don't be offended by those things which are of God. And then he comes back and he talks about the parable of the lost sheep. How many people know there's plenty of songs out there? He leaves the nine to nine. You know that he did. He was talking about he was leaving the particular 99 to go after the one. And then he was talking about dealing with a sinning brother. How many, you know, my sister back here in the back, she's never had a sinning brother, so she doesn't know how this works, okay? But I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. No, but sinning brother means that somebody that you know that has fallen into sin that is, that is actually trying to either get out of it or not. And he gave the parables in order to show that if you are actually in sin, that people are supposed to come to you. The, the elders of the church were supposed to get people together. Don't go and sue people. Back then, you could just go to the magistrate, pay a little bit of money and say, I want to sue Caleb because he looked at me weird. You could do it. See, we live in America where we do need tort reform. We, we need to not be able to sue everybody for everything. But back then, it was just, it was like if I could go and spend $5 to go sue anybody I wanted to. Well, there was people, they made a whole living off of just suing people. Well, if I just got to pay a little bit of money and then they're going to listen to me and they're going to give me an up and down. Oh, well, yeah, well, I'm going to pay the government $5. Caleb looked at me wrong. I'm going to sue him. Then now I'm going to get the money because I'm going to ask for $200. Well, they come back and go, well, you, he has to pay you 100 because he looked at you wrong. That was the way it worked. I'm telling you guys, we live in a great society compared to that society. But see, what, what Jesus was trying to do was he was trying to deal with them based upon their own flesh. Galilee was where he was dealing with their flesh. The parable of the unforgiven servant. Oh man, that one right there. If you ever read the unforgiven servant and you don't walk away going... How many times have I been forgiven of my debts, but I hold a grudge to somebody else's debt? And see, that doesn't even have to be money. How many times have somebody shown me friendliness, but there's a, another person that I didn't show friendliness to? Do you know that there's, a, there's the opportunities that we get every single day to, to basically to forgive people and to treat them better than they treated us. All right, so Jesus is teaching all this. And then he goes, all right, boys, we're going to Judea. Woo! 70-mile walk. How many people want to go with me? Anybody? Y'all want to walk 70 miles? That'd be about like walking, I guess, to Montgomery, right? Do you know that in, in some of the ways that we live our life, 
we don't understand what was happening. These people were so touched because the Spirit of God was dealing with them about things that they said, I I need more Jesus. I'm willing to walk 70 miles. And when they got to this place called there, they got healing. In fact, I'm going to reread that right there. In Matthew 19, 1, it says, Now it came to pass. See, what you have to understand is that there's a, there's a coming to pass that happens. He taught all these things, and then all of a sudden there was something that went past. It was They were stuck in one spot, and now they figured out how to get past it. Oh my God, guys, y'all got y'all to gotta see it with me. I don't think you're seeing it with me. I mean, if I'm stuck right here and I get Jason to come up here, and Jason goes, just move your feet. Let, let's get past this. Woo, I would be, I would be just, I'd be like, well, I just didn't know how. See, Jesus went and started telling them how to get out of their rut, how to get out of their place. And you know what? They, they put their, they put their Nikes on and they said, I'm going to follow this dude. I'm going to go 70 miles. I'm going to go hundred miles. I'm going to go wherever this guy goes because I'm getting spiritual healing right now. But guess what? When it came to pass, They said, wherever he's going, I'm going to go. I'm going to get past the problems that I've got. I've got problems with my brother. I've got problems with understanding who I am in Christ Jesus. There's Christ Jesus. I'm going to go understand him. I'm going to follow him. You know, this is one of the things that we need to understand is that people were dealing with things and then they followed Jesus. In fact... When he gets to the other part of this in verse 2, and it says, And a great multitude followed him, and he healed them there. You may be going, well, why didn't Jesus just heal them after the service? You know what? I think a lot of times I preach things, and you guys, I could pray for you right then. We could come down here, we could have a Holy Ghost moment, and you could get set free. I believe it. I believe you're there, could be here. But I think that 70-mile trip, how much mulling over do you think if you're walking 70 miles? Oh, come on, guys. Come on, guys. Especially if he's teaching to you the whole 70 miles. He's teaching to you? Well, guess who our new teacher is? The Holy Spirit. See, what we have to understand is they didn't have the Holy Spirit that was dealing with them on a day-to-day basis the way he was right now. The moment Jesus started speaking, the Holy Spirit was just touching them. He was moving with them. That 70-mile walk, it's just mulling over. Oh, gee, God, God, you are, you're doing some stuff in me. So when they got there, something happened. They were ready to receive. Amen? Amen. And I want you to understand this because I think a lot of times we get stuck in our here and we never move to our there. Because our here feels pretty good. Especially in my flesh. How many people have done a pity party before? Anybody ever thrown a good one? I'm talking about a good one. It's got the Cokes and you got the the balloons and it's like... Your life sucks as balloons, you know, and they're like every, oh, this is, your life's awful. Do you know that that is the kind of pity party that as we're moving through our life, we dislike it. 
for some reason our flesh just just makes us feel good. I, I know the ladies, I've done this one before, but how many ladies in here just cry to cry? Anybody? <laughs> Anybody just cry to cry? Anybody just turn on something that's real sad? And <laughs> you know, I've asked people, why do you do it? It's like, I, it just makes me feel good. It makes you feel good to cry. Okay, well, that's fine. But see, this is what we get into is that we love to think nostalgically. We love to think about things. <laughs> I was watching this. I was watching this thing. It was on TikTok. Uh, but it, well, I don't have TikTok. It was a TikTok that got moved to Facebook. And it was a, a lady and a man. And the man is on Facebook and he goes, so I'm in trouble with my wife because of her dream. <laughs> and in the dream, I was hitting on another woman. And she woke up and hit me physically. <laughs> now, he's sitting there going, we both were laying side by side when all this happened. And she said, I'm still mad about it. I mean, I, I want you to understand that, that we love that kind of stuff. We, we think about that stuff in a perspective of how can we bottle it up. We like it. We like our here. But see, when God's trying to move you to your there, it's going to be uncomfortable because you're going to have to walk. It's going to be hot. How many people know it's 99 degrees outside? Thank you, Jesus, for air conditioning. Because yeah. if I was preaching to you 100 years ago, y'all would be, y'all all be sitting here sweating through your clothes, right? But see, this is the thing. We don't understand going somewhere and what it costs us. Because in the physical, we tend, we tend to, I can get in a car and within an hour, I can be just about everywhere I want to be. But see, our there is not just a physical place. Our there is not just a, it's not like, well, you know, I, and I've heard it taught like this. I've heard some of the, the things that I'm about to tell you about Elijah. In fact, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and go over there. First Kings chapter 17 for anybody who wants to follow along at home. But see, Elijah and, and the way that he was dealing with the king, Elijah was having to was having to bring about some really bad things for the people of Israel in order to get some things moving. And see, I've heard, oh, well, see, God's going to call you here. And everybody, you know, there's people that are supposed to be here and they're supposed to be in the seats and, and you would get God if you were just here. Well, you know what? I really believe there are people who are supposed to be here. I believe God called us to do that kind of thing, but I'm not going to teach you that way. I'm not going to make it all about you having your rear end in the seat. Okay, because I don't believe that that's just the thing that God is trying to tell us out of this. God may be trying to tell you that you need to go to another job. God may be trying to tell you that you need to move. God may be trying to tell you that you need to go and do something. That you need to be somewhere else. That, that not only in your physical, but in your spiritual, in your, in your mental, in your mind, your will and emotions. That you don't need to be just drugged down by the things of your past. Because he's going to feed you in your place called there. In fact, in 1 Kings 
Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these days except at my word. Elijah had a lot of power. God was giving him the ability to be able to speak things into this world by his own power. So Elijah goes and says, hey, we're not going to have rain until I say so. Now, guess, guess what? Elijah was kind of affected by this too, right? It wasn't like Elijah was sitting somewhere else and then he couldn't do this. Elijah actually was in the midst of the same problem. So he was like, everybody's going to go through it. In verse 2, and it says, And the word of the Lord came to him and said, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith. And this word Cherith means to cut or have a separation, which flows into the Jordan. So he moved about 10 miles away from where this was at. And it said, and it said in verse 4, it says, And you will be there and you will drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Now, I'm going to tell you, that sounds pretty good, right? How many people want God to tell you to go somewhere and ravens are going to bring you pieces of meat? Now, I mean, just think about that for a second, you know? Elijah is not getting like five-star service or something. He's not getting Micah the chef back there to let me cook you up some, some meat and potatoes or whatever it is or some sort of French cuisine. This right here was, hey, you're going to go drink from the Jordan, which, by the way, the Jordan River was where all the waste went to. People think the Jordan was, is this great thing. In fact, people go and, and get dunked in the Jordan all the time. Do you know that it's one of the most nastiest rivers in the world? Because the Palestinians and everybody else dumps their poo-poo into the Jordan. Well, you know, it was happening back then. So Elijah was drinking Jordan water, and he was also drinking, he was eating pieces of meat, and stuff that the ravens gave him. Sounds like five-star service to me. If I was to tell Heather that's the way we're going to have to get it, she's going to go, you're going to tell it to start raining. <laughs> I know without a shadow of a doubt. She's not going to go for that. But do you know that this happened for a few weeks? In fact, it says here uh, in verse 5, and it says, So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed at the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. I, I, I'm just going to give you that insight that, once again, Elijah was not set up in a five-star hotel, but he was, he was being provided for. You know, sometimes some of our supernatural things means we got to get from point A to point B. You know, I, I actually felt like we were being, years ago, when, when the Lord called Heather and I away from a church we had been at. She'd been there since she was a baby. baby that we were going to a place up in Jacksonville, Alabama, and those 
one and a half plus hour trips up there, one and a half hour plus trip back for over that time, not knowing are we really doing the right thing, are we really doing what we're supposed to be. I had my kids going, why can't we just stay here? Why can't we just go back to VCF? But, you know, the Lord kept telling me, I'm going to provide and give you opportunities in a place that you may not like. Guess what? I didn't like it all the time. But I got so much provision by going there. See, sometimes we have to step away from something we know in order to go somewhere where we don't know. And that is going to be a journey. And see, Elijah was no different. Elijah had to go and just say, okay, Lord, you said so. I'm going to go and I'm going to go eat from the birds and I'm going to go drink from the brook. See, this is one of the things I think we need to understand is that when God calls us into places to go do things, it's not always going to look like it was put together the, the best. And you may go, well, are you saying that God doesn't put the best together? No, he does. But see, your place called there is not always the place where you're going to stay. See, you have to understand your place and where you're going. Because he had multiple places called there. We're going to go to the next one. So the next verse, and it says in verse uh, verse 7, And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because, because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him and said, Arise, go to uh, Zarephath, uh, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow to provide for you. Now, I'm going to tell you straight up, we're about to get into a story that most people nowadays would have said that Elijah was a, was a horrible, misogynistic, uh, no good man. Because a widow woman and her son had no, uh, you know, they had nothing. And Elijah's going to go eat off their stuff. How about that? If I told you that there was going to be a man that was going to go and force himself on a widow woman to, to make him eat there, there'd be people picketing outside. We would, we would have all kinds of stuff. But see, your place called there and somebody else's place called there, and somebody else's provision sometimes flows together. And sometimes it doesn't look like you thought it was supposed to look. Well, my life didn't work out the way that it was supposed to work out. Tough. God's trying to get you somewhere, and I think a lot of times we have problems because we don't just go. In fact, it says right here, Verse 10, it says, So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. And she, and she was going to get it, and he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Verse 12, she said, So, so she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Now, 
That was her goal, was eat one last meal, we're going to die. And see, God is taking you from the worst place that has been, and he's taking you to the next level. You know, sometimes you're in the worst place, and he's trying to take you to the next level. And the next level is not, you know, the five-star resort sometimes. Sometimes it's just the next level. I go from I got nothing to I got something. And then I go from I got something and then now I've got enough. And then now I've got more than enough and I can actually give some away. Do you know that every level that you have in every single place. And and everybody thinks this is about money. This is not about money. This is not about your things, right? This is also about what I can give emotionally, spiritually how I can go and I can be a blessing to other people. You know that if you're in the midst of the worst situation that you've ever been in and you start talking to people and they're in a bad situation, you start doing, how many people does this? They go, they go, oh, I feel you. Let me give you one worse. How many people you've talked to you are like, man, my car broke down last week and they go, oh, let me tell you, I woke up this morning and my air conditioner was out. Do you know that the more you commiserate around things, the more you're just in your same old, same old. You didn't change nothing. But see, when God takes you to the next level, okay, well, I'm doing better. Well, then I, I'm, I'm getting enough and then I'm more than enough. And then now I can start putting into others. Yeah, that was bad, but let me tell you what God's going to do for you next. God's going to bring you to another place, and he's going to take you out of your mire right now, and he's going to bring you to a place that you need to be. You know what? That starts feeding people's soul. Because you can be saved, and your spirit, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You became a new creature in Christ Jesus. That's... Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, you can get in Ephesians 1.13 happened. You heard it, you started believing the gospel, and now you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That means that your spirit is as good as it's ever going to be. You can throw it in mud, you can do whatever, it's not going to get dirty. But see, your soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions has to follow Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 where it says that we have to renew our mind, that we are being transformed by the Word of God. And see, once we start transforming, then we become something new. We go to that next level. And now that next level I can start putting into other people. People don't come to me and start asking me questions about how do I become poor, worse off, and and more sick. They don't. You know, I get people that call me up all the time and go, can you help me? Well, if I was just to go, man, your situation is bad. I don't know what you're going to do about it. Let's just pray. Let's let's just see if the Lord's going to help you out. Well, you know what? If that's the case, then I wouldn't be a help to anybody. But the more that I get into the Word, the more that I see my path, and the more I'm in my place called there, then my provision starts happening and things starts going on in my life to where now I can hand it over to other people. I can go, no, 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 you're not seeing the Word the way the Word needs to be saw. God has a plan for your life and He's giving you opportunities and you're going to see them. You know, I think a lot of times God's opening up opportunities and we are so much in our here that we don't even know that there's an opportunity there. 
I'm going to say that one more time because I think that needs to sink in a little bit more. If there was a, a double seed that we were going to plant this morning, if you're so stuck and you're here, then you won't even see an opportunity to go there. In fact, it says here in verse 13, it says, And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do uh, as you ha- as I have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterwards, some for yourself and your son. Oh, there we go. Picketers and rioters. Oh, Elijah just, Elijah's asking this little old lady with her son that just wants to die to go and give some of her food up. Well, you know what? Sometimes my provision comes out of me being willing to go and do something with it. You got lots of stuff that you could use, but you're not using it. You're eating your own bread. I'm going to say it again. You know, sometimes we have seed that we need to plant, and then we have seed that needs to be grown for our own bread. Sometimes I think we plant seeds with the things that we're not supposed to. So a seed is something that's going to germinate. It's going to turn into a plant, right? But what if I take a dead seed, one that would never do that, and it would only be good for grinding up and making into flour? I want you guys to listen to this. I want you to grab hold of this one, right? There are some things God's telling you that you need to use, and there are some things he's telling you that you need to plant. And you need to understand by the Holy Ghost which one is dead and which one needs to be ground up and turned into flour so that you can use it. And then the ones that are alive that you can plant in yourself and others. See, this goes for money. This goes for our own spiritual understanding. You may go, well, Dusty, my spiritual understanding, which what would be dead and what would be alive? Well, guess what? Something that is dead is when God is trying to God's trying to get the old stuff off of you. Well, I had bad, I had a bad childhood or, or I had a bad marriage or I'm div- I've been divorced or I've had these other issues. And guess what? That's all dead stuff that's on the inside of you that God wants to bring the living out. So just get it out of you. And he wants to plant good seeds. But a lot of times we hold on and try to plant the dead stuff. And we keep it on our ground. And it never goes in. And it never creates anything. It just weighs us down. But see, if we had the seed, the living, and we started planting it, it would start bringing about life in a way that we never saw before. A way we would never be able to use before. And we could get that old dead stuff out of us. And it says here in verse 14, it says, For thus saith the Lord of the God of Israel, The bend of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry, until the day of the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and her uh, she and he and her household ate for many days. The bend of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Now I want you to understand something. There was provision where it didn't look like there should be provision. There was provision where, do you know in the middle of the brook Cherith, it looked dead. It was sand and it was 
dust and it was nothing. It was just a small little brook that ran into the Jordan. He goes to the widow woman's house. Do you know that the widow woman is standing with nothing other than a bundle of sticks to go burn to create her last little loaf of bread so her and her son can go die. Eat and die. You know that when provision comes along, it's one step at a time. See, this is why I don't like... So, there's things called prosperity preachers. How many people have heard of a prosperity preacher? So, I would call myself a prosperity preacher because I believe in the word prosperity, which means that I'm prospering beyond where I'm at right now. Not, hey, there's going to be a million dollars in your mailbox if you give me 50 today. How about that? So, that's a different thing. But I'm going to use prosperity preaching to tell you something today that you're one step closer to your provisions being made every single day that you take the word and you put it into your heart and then you make a step. You take the word and you make a step. You take the word and you make a step. In fact, if I kept reading in 1 Kings, we would find out that the son dies after they've been eating. You know what? Because the prophet... Because she was in her place called there. Because Elijah was in his place called there. When the son dies, there was a provision. The son dies and the prophet goes and lays on top of him and revives him. And the spirit of God brings about such a goodness in her life. But see, you know what? If she had never said, yes, I will provide you. If she had never done that, her son would have died and he would have not come back. See, we've got provision that God wants to put you in your place called there because your place called here has always got the dead stuff. It's always got the dead stuff. I'm going to stop right here. James chapter 2, verse 17. Thus it is said, thus also faith by itself, it does not... uh, If it does not have works, it is dead. But someone who says your faith and I have says you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith with by my works. You believe that there is one God you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, old foolish man, the faith without works is dead. Do you know that faith without works is dead, but faith plus works is just living? Now, I want you to understand this because I think that this is something that we need to take into an account every single day of our lives. Is that when we apply faith and we do the things that God's calling us to do, we're just living. See, everybody's expecting something grandiose. But I think the power of God comes along and hits us in ways we never saw when we just live our life. And sometimes we're just trying to figure out what to do next. And the Holy Spirit will say, let's do this. See, everybody's looking for a flash of light and a big bang to tell us that God himself is doing something. But I'm telling you something, God is doing something right now. 
God is doing something in your life. There is things that are happening. You just don't see them. But under the surface, there are things happening. Seeds are being planted and they're growing. But you are not like a bad farmer where you go dig up the seed to see whether or not that seed actually is growing. You're a good farmer. You're going to put that seed in the ground. And after the time period, It's going to come up and it's going to bloom and it's going to give you the stalk and it's going to give you the ear of corn and the full ear. All you have to do is you have to plant the seed and you have to allow it to grow and you have to do the things that you know that are supposed to happen. You can trust God every single day. You can believe God. The demons believe God. You know what the difference is? the people who actually are walking by faith they are taking a step every single day there are things in your life that God's telling you to do you're supposed to be doing them I'm I'm going to say it again there are things in your life that God is telling you to do and you don't want to do them but you got to do them because God is telling you to do them because he's wanting to take you to the next place and you're saying I don't know if I want to do it but you got to say Lord I'm going to put you ahead I'm going to be like the widow woman And I'm going to go make the bread. I'm going to just trust that at the name of Jesus, that it's going to happen. I just trust in the name of Jesus that when I make this and I take the last bit that I've had, that it's going to happen. Because I'm telling you, there's a place that God is wanting to take you to that's going to benefit you, but it's going to benefit others. You have this place that's already in your mind. God is showing it to you, but you can't figure out how to get there because you haven't taken the first step. See, the first step for me when I started this ministry was not in 2020 when we came down here. It was 2011 when I started listening after after my brother-in-law came up to me and told me about Andrew Womack and he had said, because I had this holy dissatisfaction on the inside of me, I knew I was supposed to be doing something and I could not understand what it was. And he came to me and he said, "I, I feel like the Spirit of the Lord is telling me to tell you to go listen to this man. And every time I listened to the man, he talked about Karis Bible College and Karis Bible College. And And I was so tired of Karis Bible College. I didn't want to know anything about Karis Bible College after a while. And the only one that was close to me was Atlanta. And then all of a sudden, I said, Lord, if you really want me to do Karis Bible College, I'll take the step. I'll go to Karis, but I know that I'm supposed to provide for my family and I can't go to Atlanta. I can't go to Colorado. When you start telling God you can't, he goes, all right, well, let's start putting something a little closer so you can get your foot out there. I get all the folks, the Susan Alexanders and all the other people that that you guys have met. They were like, hey, do you know Karis is coming to Birmingham? And I was like, oh, crap. I got to go to Karis Bible College. And you know, I didn't go when they first opened. In fact, I waited a whole year and I was in Atlanta and I remember I was given a presentation for the DOE and NERT folks and I, I was preparing and I'm sitting there and the Lord says, go open the Bible. 
and I was going to go pull up my Bible app, and he goes, no, go open the Gideon's Bible that's in the, the little, little drawer over there, and I did. And he opened, he said, open up to Psalms 37. So I opened up Psalms 37, and I opened up verse 4. said, delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Trust in him and he'll bring them to pass is what verse 5 says. And you know, I read that and I went, huh? And so the Lord kept bringing it back up to me over and over and over again. And he said, I've been putting a desire in your heart. You'd been delighting in me and I put a desire in your heart and you knew what you were supposed to do and you decided not to do it. And I was bringing things to pass and and you said no. Okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? So he just said, do what I told you to do. And I went and I signed up Karis. And I remember the day I was going to sign up part-time. And the Lord said, no, you're going, to, you're going to graduate the first class out of Birmingham. You know what that meant? Because I'd missed a whole year. Man, I, had, I couldn't do part-time. I had to do full-time. And I also had to work. So I call Heather on the phone. And I go, the Lord's telling me i got to do this full-time. It means i got to go two nights a week and i got to go eight hours a day on Saturday. Every single week. And she said, if that's what the Lord's telling you. See, sometimes we get provision. Sometimes we're told that we're supposed to do something. Sometimes we know we're supposed to do something. Sometimes we know we're supposed to take a step. And the Lord has provided opportunity. And he's gone to all the different places and different things that that you've fleeced out. I know we were talking about fleeces this morning. But you've done all these things. And the Lord said, I'm meeting you everywhere where you need to meet. But you're the one that's saying no. You know, the moment that that happened, the Lord started giving me vision for what this was going to be. And what and we're not even one-tenth of one percent through the vision that this place is, the Identity Church. We haven't even, in fact, we haven't started, by the way. In a lot of ways, we haven't even started with the vision that God has put in my heart. This is a good, this is a good toe-in-the-water moment. But this ain't even it. See, this is what I want you to understand is God is going to create provision for you in ways that you didn't even know and He's going to tell you to go do things and it ain't going to look good. It ain't going to feel good. I got to go give up my time. I got to give up some money. I got to go into these different places. Yeah. You know, a cast out devils. You know, I laid hands on the sick and saw them recover for the first times in my life because I said yes. Went on mission trips and saw people getting healed and set free and saved. Things I'd never seen by my own hand through the Holy Spirit. Do you know that God has provision for you, for you to go and do things that you've never done before and it ain't going to look good because you don't get to control it. See, that's the problem. We are all control freaks. Say, I'm a control freak. Now I'm going to give control to the Father. You know, in our control freaking stuff that goes in our head, we've got to we got to say, I'm going to let the reins go some. I'm going to let God take over. Because a lot of times we don't, if we don't like what we see, we fight against it. 
Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you know where you're supposed to be going and God is, God is telling you this morning, I'm going to take the next step. I just want you to raise your hand. This is not for me. I'm not even looking at you. I just want you to know that if this is the next step, if you're supposed to be going somewhere, you're, this is you making a decree to God. Okay, Lord, I'm going to do something next. I'm going to go and do something next. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take myself to the next place, Father, because I know your provision's there. Amen. Amen. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. I just, I pray for each and every person that's here. I thank you, Father, that you're giving them a vision. You're giving them a hope and a future and a, and a place to be, Father. <clears throat> you're showing them where their there is, Father. You're taking them from here and you're moving them to there uh, with their relationships, with their jobs, with, with the people that are around them, their families, Father, with their spiritual walk, with everything that you have, Father, that you've given. There is going to be new manifestations of, of their mind, will, and emotions taking leaps and bounds into the future, Father, to where they will have provision in the place that you have them go. Father, I just pray over each and every person as they go this week that you just don't let them go, that you're just continually just building upon these visions and that you're showing them where to put their foot next, Father. Father, I pray over each and every one of them. I just love them. I just tell you, just bless them. Help them send people across their paths that they can bless others. Father, I pray over this food and this fellowship that we're about to have. I thank you, Father, that the food is blessed. I thank you, dear Lord, that the time of fellowship is blessed, and we're just going to have a great time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed. If you need any prayer or anything for anything, I'll be down at the front. Y'all go and enjoy a hot dog. <laughs>